Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. What's going on, family? This is Gabriel Carbo. And you're tuning in to the Star Wisdom broadcast. Thanks for hanging in there. Today is over here in Taiwan, where I'm located. It's June 3rd, 2016. And today we have a special guest on the broadcast. We have uh, Mr. Kevin Keegan, Vedic astrologer, yogi, and just amazing man. Um, Today we're going to get into the Western, uh, the differences between the Western astrological charts and the astrology system and the Vedic system. And um, before I do that, let me uh, see if Kevin is on the line. Yes, I I am. Hey, how you doing, Kevin? Good to have you. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Um, I, I came across... Kevin's um, daily um, astrology uh, live stream on Facebook uh, like a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was lucky enough to have him read my chart because uh, I never really got into Vedic astrology. Um, I've heard about it, but I never really dabbled in it, and uh, it was a really amazing experience. And just the small time he was able to work with my chart and me, I was able to see some things that uh, confirmed this see some things that, that, that confirm other things that are going on in my life and that has happened in my life. And uh, I want to thank Kevin for that, and I want to thank him for being on the broadcast today. Uh, thank Kevin, you. Uh, where, you're welcome, sir. Uh, where are you located right now? Are you, uh, in, uh, are you in the United States somewhere, right? Yeah, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Great, great, great. Um, and this broadcast, I mean, uh, I don't know if we've been doing it for about, well, I've been doing it for um, a little over two years and, uh, we just talk about things off the beaten path of regular mainstream, uh, broadcast, you know, just nice dialogue about <laughs> different things. I know I'm being vague, but, uh, it started <laughs> off as an astrology, uh, talking about astrology, but then just like anything, it went and moved organically, organically just to talk about life and. And um, so, with that said, Kevin, can you uh, tell us uh, about yourself and, and in that, how you got into um, Vedic astrology? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so, to give you the long and short of it, I have been into astrology for about 20 years. It's something that I've been interested in since I was a teenager. But I got into Vedic astrology originally because I um, uh, practiced Kriya Yoga. And um, what I did is I saw that um, Paramahansa Yogananda's guru, Sri Yukteswar, uh, practiced the brand of astrology. And um, some people that were in Self-Realization Fellowship, who I belonged to, um, 
did some Vedic astrology, and my first exposure to it was through a person who did gemstones to remedy karma specifically. And when I saw my Vedic chart, I just I kind of got obsessed with it. And that was about 10 years ago. And since then, it's kind of spiraled into um, something where I uh, just started dabbling in it, and then I got even more obsessed with it. Um, then I started, uh, let's see, I was in the American College of Vedic Astrology for a little while. Um, and then I started um, accumulating a lot of knowledge. And it, I started doing um, peris, uh, Periscope broadcasts. So you ran across my broadcast because I was inspired to go out and start doing these live readings because I wanted, first of all, I wanted to try to do something different than other Vedic astrologers have done. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to try doing Periscope. And man, that has been something that I've never really expected it to be. And so what I did is I started to tailor my readings to be to do live readings. And uh, what I've done over the past few months is I've um, uh, started a website called uh, No Big Secrets Yoga, and my website is no-bsyoga.com, and it's kind of a play on words. And so what I do is I take uh, Vedic astrology and Kriya Yoga, and I combine it into a complete holistic practice um, by doing consultations. And so uh, what I do generally um, every night is I do, I'll do do a Periscope broadcast and I'll have people go to my website and um, submit their chart information and then I will just go ahead and read the chart live on Periscope. And so by doing this, it's uh, opened up, even in my astrology practice, it's opened up a whole new world and almost kind of validated how um, how really deep the practice is itself. I was actually astonished at how accurate it can be. And um, the other thing, too, that if any of your listeners want to see my live chart, I actually have a YouTube channel. It's um, If you go to YouTube and go to No BS Yoga, I actually started streaming the charts live, too, so uh, people can actually see me physically read their chart, too, as well. So, yeah, I've been trying to be a little bit innovative with yoga as well, and also, too, integrating the uh, yoga practice. And, you know, we were talking about um, what the difference between Western and Eastern astrology. I think the future of Vedic astrology is going to be integrating some of the Western principles. And we can go into a little bit about that, too, if you'd like. Yeah, that'd be great. And something that you just made me just think about is um, this whole multimedia approach to uh, to sharing information with people and like how you're doing something really original like real time that's all i found you i literally i found you in the facebook live stream but i yeah i noticed that you were on the talking about periscope as well and just let me i'm going to ask you um what do you think like what took you to the next level because you said that just reading your chart um Kind of like you had a aha moment. I'm paraphrasing. Excuse me, Kevin. I do that a lot. Um, you're, you had like basically like a aha aha moment, like when you saw your your Vedic chart for the first time. So can we? What what's the difference between actually just going into your chart versus um, helping other people read their chart? Does that help with your personal growth as well or your transformation? 
Yes, it does tremendously. Um, there's actually in um, Vedic astrology, I've I heard uh, and a Vedic astrologer is also called a Yotish in um, India. That's the uh, Yotish is uh, Sanskrit for light, so it's kind of like Vedic astrology is seen as the study of light, literally like how the lights reflect off refract off the planets. And in this study, um, it is said that people become very obsessed with their charts, and it's kind of a phase. And what happens is start digging and digging and digging, and when you find that at some point there's really no bottom to the hole, that's kind of when you bottom out and you start to dig, kind of like climb out of the hole. And like helping other people, and this is my opinion, is kind of a way of um, climbing out of that hole. And it's one of the things that I've noticed is it's really helped me connect with people on that real basic human level. And it shows that a lot of us, we're not really as different as we think we are. Um, a lot of us have a, a lot of the same basic problems, tendencies, um, psychological issues, and things like that. And I've come to the conclusion that astrology is ultimately more, more or less the window into the subconscious mind. It's like, you know, it's like how these archetypes are working their way through. And um, that's kind of like one of the views in Western astrology, but I've seen it in Eastern astrology as well, whereas it's more kind of paraphrased more as like the unfolding of karma. But then again, what is karma other than the, you know, uncovering of unconscious pro proclivities, I would say. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just, it's kind of looking into somebody's psyche and really I think it's a privilege to be allowed to do that because when somebody gives me their birth chart, they're giving me an insight into something that most people don't see. And then also to do it live too, I mean, I've, I've actually started to kind of want to pull back because, like, for instance, like, we'll take the south node of the moon. Anywhere the south node of the moon is placed, that's where somebody has a lack. And so I saw somebody with the south node of the moon in the third house. Um, this was a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, oh, so I see you've had some sort of loss or separation with um, a sibling. And he's like, yeah, my sister committed suicide. And I'm like, oh, boy. Um, <laughs> you know? And it's kind of like, well, where, where do you really go from there? And... One of the things, too, is um, the difference between Indian and Western astrologers is Indian astrologers are very fatalistic. So, um, whereas I actually like the Western approach a little bit more to astrology where we actually do have free will. And if, if you mind, um, I'd like to kind of give you an, an analogy that my guru, uh, Goswami Kriyananda of the Temple of Kriya Yoga, gave me. He said that um, if you think of like a ship crossing the ocean, um, and if Say, for instance, you have the helm, and you tie the helm, let's see, with, uh, like, really tight ropes. And so you start, like, from Florida, and you start sailing toward Europe. There's always going to be a little give. And so if you take that give in the steering wheel, but you go across the ocean, instead of ending in Portugal, you might end in England. So I see that little give in the steering wheel as a free will that we have to change our karma over a long time. And so it's kind of like a consistent effort um, equals results. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, free will. And it that's a um, concept that's coming up a lot with my work. Um, <clears throat> and, and you came, you, you kind of connected right now the difference 
that I'm seeing between the Eastern way of thinking, I'm generalizing Eastern and Western, you know, I was speaking to my brother, uh, Edie Decay about, we were talking about arranged marriages, you know, and how that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's a big thing in India and other parts of the country and other parts of the world, especially in the Eastern hemisphere. And, uh, the, the being able to choose your lot in life and we use an example of a wife or a, or a husband, for example, uh, that can change your karma big time, you know, either add karma or, or, or either way that you're going to get karma is going to come into it. But just, just the different outlooks of the East and the West is, uh, is, it's very different, you know, and some could say, I mean, I'm kind of, maybe I'm a little jaded, but, uh, free will has kind of got a lot of, a lot of us, me included in trouble sometimes, or <laughs> it seems like that, you know, I, so, and you know, it's, so interesting. right. And it's, it's kind of a culture clash in a way. Um, and if in India, they use Vedic astrology to arrange marriages. And what will happen is um, parents will often go and take the charts of their kids and go to a Vedic astrologer and they will compare what's called the Navamsa chart. And they, in um, Indian astrology, they have one of the most complicated um, methods of determining compatibility that I have ever seen. And it comes down to the nakshatra system and they have ways of pairing them together. And so what they will do is they will almost like take these two charts and these kids will be predetermined to be together. And that's how an arranged marriage will form because they believe that the chart is absolute destiny. And so, um, what was I going to say? So, and also too, in India, business, like love marriages are rare. Business or marriage is more of a business arrangement. So, that's mm-hmm. why you see so many arranged marriages is because how can families marry into each other and gain influence? And that, unfortunately, you know, astrology has been used a lot for that too in India. But when you bring it over here to America and you put it into the Western context, it takes on a whole new flavor. And, I mean, some of the, um, like, there, there are some stereotypes about Indian astrology that are true, like... I've seen it on, and I've just seen this on my Periscope channel where the people that come to me from India are either extremely jaded or very so much vested into the astrology that if they don't think that they're going to get a certain level of government job, they're, they're like, um, you know, it's like the end of the world to them because mm-hmm. that's what their cultural norm is. And it's, it's amazing to see the cultural differences play out in this stuff. It would be interesting to see if if people did what the actual what what took an honest look at their chart, for example, if let's say you did have a new relationship with somebody and you took it to an astrologer, like for you to to you to use you as an example, and you got you looked over the couple's chart, right? And in in the chart, mm-hmm. and if it didn't if it didn't play out beneficial beneficially to whatever these people thought, you know, be it love or business or whatever, but it didn't look good, we'll just say. Uh, maybe in- it would be interesting to see if 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 this couple would uh, actually stay together, you know, try to go against the the we'll say the stars or whatnot, you know, take an honest look at that. I don't I don't I know have, if people would do that. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, what I was gonna say is my answer to that because I get compatibility questions all the time, and usually when um. 
it's mainly women that want to ask about relationship compatibility. And I will tell them what I tell everybody else. It depends. It really, it depends on do you want an easy marriage or do you want to grow as a person? I mean, mm. if you don't, and if you if you really if you don't want to grow as a person, then by all means look for the easy compatible marriage. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the hardest, like when we, and this is my opinion, when we marry our spouse or significant other, or we're in a relationship, what it does is karmically speaking, it puts a mirror right in front of us. And right. a lot of the times in relationships, we end up projecting things onto each other, and it's kind of like, are you going to accept the reflection in the mirror and how your spouse is reflecting? Usually we project our ideas back and forth and say, hmm, you know, I mean, is is there really something that I could be improving on as a person? Or do you want to just say, well, you know, I just want to be the same and not grow as a person? And that's what I see in so many relationships is that people are just so scared. It's like if they people are so scared of the pain of facing themselves that they will keep digging through astrology to find any way that they could say, oh, okay, well, this is going to be easy. Okay, that's going to be easy. Or, you know, our relationship's going to be easy. And that's really, in my opinion, how we we don't grow as people that way. Hmm. Yeah, I had a um, a, a teacher uh, named Aloys Capus, and he would always push that up concept of a, he called it an alchemical marriage and uh and basically it's like what you said your partner reflects you know you you know plain and simple and a lot of times we see what we don't want to see you know and uh well a lot of times we'll just because it's difficult we'll just move on you know cut our losses and move on to the next person when in fact the next person that we come to a lot of times uh the same patterns will eventually come up after the honeymoon's over so right. his case was, why not just stick in there? And, and I'm not saying you should be abused or, you know, and just be, be a miserable, but a lot of people jump in and out of things, like, you know, because it's easy to do because we have that free will in the West and whatnot. So, right. Yeah, I like, I, I, just, I, I'm, I like what you said with that. Yeah, and honestly, sometimes free will is overrated, too. I mean, sometimes... I, I think, you know, with astrology, there's it's always about balance. Like, all the planets and all the charts are always trying, the universe is always trying to achieve some sort of balance. Like, so, for instance, if somebody has an exalted planet, they're like, oh, great. Well, that, but see, that also means that there's an overabundance of energy in an area of the chart, which means that other areas of the chart are going to be lacking. And nobody has a perfect chart. And so, one of the things is, kind of like, do you want to go with the floor? Do you want to go against the tide? And I think really people need to make a decision in their lives because, and that also too, you can see that in the chart too about how, <laughs> ironic about how somebody will use their free will as well. That's in the third house. So I've seen people that have, for instance, like the combinate, like Saturn, and, or no, I'm not sorry, the sun and Mars together in the third house indicates somebody that is all free will and they will go and they will do what they want. And um, But see, the thing is, they're putting all this energy into swimming upstream, but while they're swimming upstream, they're kind of, they're not noticing, like, the waves that their boat is causing or, you know, the mm-hmm. wake that they're leaving behind. So right. there's, everything always has a cost. There's always some sort of reciprocal effect to everything you do. 
And in a way, you know, karma karma works that way too, in my opinion. If you don't recognize that, it can be a um, it can be your worst enemy rather than your greatest ally. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Kevin, um, if you don't mind, um, I wanted to get into um, the differences between Vedic astrology and, and and Western. I mean, me myself, like for many years, I was just I didn't even know about Vedic astrology. You know, I was just in the Western Babylonian system. You know the Cook, cookbook type astrology, and then I went deeper right. and deeper in, into that and discovered like evolutionary astrology, Pluto astrology, on all kinds of astrologies. But and it was like I want to say 2012. A good friend of mine, uh, she was like, you know what, Gabriel, you should you should get your chart read. This, she, she know I loved astrology, studying astrology. So this Indian Vedic astrology, it's so accurate, so accurate. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right, Teal. You know, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I and I actually was gonna plan on doing it, but life happens, and uh, and here I am now. Finally, <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago, I, I got my chart read. You know, <laughs> so uh, can you can you tell us some of the like? First of all, it is Vedic, Vedic astrology must be older, right, than Western astrology. Um, in a sense, um, okay. I think I think technically it's older because a lot of the Western astrology is based on the Greek system um, put forth by Ptolemy, I think. Um, he was one of the first uh, astrologers, and he was around around the time of Christ, maybe 100 AD. Uh, they say that Vedic astrology dates back to um, probably about 3000 BC. Um, so yeah, I would say it's older. Um, the first evidence of Vedic astrology was uh, the Harapan culture in the Indus Valley. Um, and they used the what's called the nakshatra system and they were lunar mansions and so the original vedic zodiac and it's we can still use it today has 27 27 separate signs in it and each sign has its own significations like we do in our western astrology with the 12 signs and so how the vedic calendar worked and also to the older calendars worked is they they use the lunar calendar instead of the solar calendar and so the original Vedic system is based on the lunar calendar, which is not, but now the modern system is based on the solar calendar. Mm. Okay. Um, and so I guess the, the main difference between um, Vedic astrology and Western astrology is called the, um, uh, we're, we're actually the, uh, how do I put it? It's called Ayanamcha in uh, Eastern astrology. And it's where they actually start the, the zodiac. So um, in the Vedic astrology, they decided to start the zodiac 23 or 24 degrees back from where the tro- – it's, it's called side reel, actually, is a system. And then tropical is a system that they use in Western astrology. And so the reason why there's a difference is 2,500 years ago, um, somebody decided that this is where the signs are always going to be regardless of where the stars rotate. And so what happens is they, in Vedic astrology is we don't take into account the precession of the equinox. And what that does is every 24,000 years, the um, signs are ultimately the stars are going to do one revolution around the zodiac. But in Vedic mm-hmm. astrology, we're like, no, it's, this is always going to be the start of Aries. It's always going to be on the same star. So, and I think it's the star Spica. And so what will happen is over 2,000 years, the tropical zodiac 
drifted in about 23, I think it's about 24 degrees off right now. And the reason why Vedic astrology is so accurate is because what it does is the where the start where the astrology system started is the same as when the astrological texts were written. So it's basically you're getting the same results as if somebody was reading your chart 2,000 years ago. Hmm. Mm, I kind of get, I kind of get the the same theme about uh, free will versus <laughs> range, you know. With that, even with that, uh, maybe that's a stretch, but uh, uh, your destiny, you know, keeping the the placement the same. You know, that's interesting. Right, but I, I will say though, I mean, I have studied Western astrology, and there's a lot of merit in now. Like one of the things that Western astrology does that Eastern astrology doesn't do is they don't um there's a difference between um the house systems so vedic astrology uses what's called the equal house system traditionally and western astrology uses the um oh what is it the placidius house system so what that means is that each house in vedic astrology is always going to be equivalent to one sign so for instance my ascendant is at 27 degrees aries well that means that the whole sign of Aries is going to be the first house, whereas in Western astrology, the very the very beginning of the first house cusp starts at 27 degrees Aries. And so with the Western system, too, they also have the midheaven, the descendant, and then the nadir, and they don't really take that into account in Vedic astrology. And then the other major difference, too, is Vedic astrology does not take into account the outer planets, and that's Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. And so in traditional uh, Vedic astrology, when I read any charts, I'm not even using those planets. Um, mm. And one of the challenges going forward is going to be for Vedic astrologers to work that into the system because whether we like it or not, they are there. And so it's going to be one of those things where um, and it's, there's actually some systems out there right now. It's called Neo-Vedic astrology, and I've been using it as well, where you can work the outer planets into the Vedic system. You just use a different zodiac. I know in the Western astrology, one of the one of the um, one of the links I got with the outer planets is that that has to do with uh, a lot of times with the collective consciousness, whereas the right. inner planets more of a personal, you know. And um, and so, uh, um, go ahead. No, you go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Okay, um, one of my favorite authors, her name is Joni Patree, and she actually does Neo-Vedic astrology, and she also combines Western astrology, and she put it in a way that makes the most sense to me. So the, the inner planet, so Venus, uh, let's see, Mercury, Venus, and Mars represent our personal selves. Then the planets um, Saturn and Jupiter kind of represent more of our connection to society in general, and then, like you said, the three outer planets represent the collective consciousness. So it's kind of like a transition where um, I think um, as we go along and we integrate the outer planets and people begin to live longer, they will actually, the outer planets will start to work their way into our personal charts. So mm. here's a good example. Um, the planet Uranus takes 84 years to go around the zodiac. Well, Right now, according to Vedic astrology, they say that the average human lives 120 years, and they base, they base the whole system on that. And we could also get into the Dasa system as well in a little bit here. 
But um, so, for instance, the average human being right now will probably have uh, Saturn goes around every uh, 30 years. So the average human will live for two and a half to three Saturn returns. Well, once people start living past the age of 34 to like 150, 200, then we're going to start seeing, you know, um, Uranus returns happen once, happen twice, and it's going to really affect how we see astrology. Um, it's this, I think as we evolve as people and if you kind of see it, to, to me the outer planets also kind of represent, um, I, are you familiar with the concept of a yuga, what that is? Yes. Okay. Yes, me, there's like a, a unit of time, right? A unit yeah. Of time, a large unit of time. Right. And so according to um, Sri Yukteswar, he said that the yugas, um, basically go along the uh, procession of the equinox. So every 24,000 years, humanity rises and falls, and there's three separate um, yugas. And so he said that the very bottom of the Kali Yuga was around the time that Jesus was born, and now we're kind of on our way up. And so we kind of start discovering, like, technology and things like that and how that uh, interacts. And eventually humanity reaches, like, a golden pinnacle spiritual age, um, and that will probably be about 10,000 years from now, and then eventually they tend to fall out again. Um, and my thinking is that right now the planet Uranus kind of represents in Western astrology like electricity and revolution and intellect, and we're seeing that kind of energy work its way into society through the Internet and how people are in, like, it's more evolutional, whereas like Neptune in Western astrology represents like spirituality and things that are hidden in occult. And I think Neptune is going to represent the, the pinnacle of that top yuga. And as we go along, we'll kind of understand these planets more and then we'll work it into the system. Hmm. I think we already see, are seeing um, little hints and little, like Uranus gives you those little insights of that Neptune energy with a lot of the new age type of thinking and magical, you know, just, and even like our, our discussion right now, even, even though like I have to say this, uh, one of the more grounded in reality discussions I've had in a while in, ter in terms of my uh, broadcast, you know, I'll, sometimes I keep it abstract, which is fine, but uh, it's nice to bring it down to these, 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 um, I'll say it again, these magical concepts and bring them down to earth, mundane reality, you know, so, mm -hmm. That's important too, because uh, uh, just like would you say that Vedic astrology is yoga, a form of yoga? Uh, yeah, actually, Vedic astrology. If you look at Hinduism or um, Vedic study in general, actually, Hinduism is misnamed. Actually, Hinduism is more the study of the Vedas, and what I mean by that is yoga. Vedic astrology, Ayurveda, and all different kinds of Hatha Yoga are all completely integrated into each other. They're just different ways of looking at the science. So, for instance, here's a good example. The um, Vedic astrology chart actually corresponds to different chakras. So if you take the chart and flip it on its side, um, Cancer is represented by the moon, and then the sun is represented by Leo. Actually, it, it, if you go descending down, then you go Mercury, Venus, Mars, and then Saturn, and or no, I'm sorry, Jupiter and Saturn. It actually each chakra is represented by a planet. So when we're looking at a Vedic chart, the chakra systems already work into the Vedic chart and principle. And so 
the connection there between yoga and Vedic astrology is that Vedic astrology in the science activates certain chakras as the planets are going through certain signs and houses. And that's and then the chakras are what actually releases karma into our system. And the, the um, yogis equate that with the central nervous system, right? And right. so that's how that's all related. And so what yoga does is I think it's a way that we, we kind of speed up the system, right? So um, I think one of the biggest tools that anybody can have against astrology is awareness. And what is yoga? Yoga, is a, to me, is the developing of awareness, that higher consciousness, that, that digging real deep into that subconscious part of the mind that we all uh, can do. And astrology is kind of showing you what's there already, right? But when you have awareness, you can say, oh, I already know how I behave on the subconscious level, and you can kind of work to screw yourself. You know, like we were talking about the you know, sometimes it's like steering a battleship with a toothpick, but it's it's very doable, and that's how yoga and astrology relate. And that's that's how mm-hmm. I bring that into practice in my consultations as well. Interesting, um, because I I did I actually met my wife, who you read her chart, and she was really pleased with it. <laughs> and thanks again. Um, and You're we welcome. met at a Bikram, at at a Bikram Yoga, which is hot yoga. You know, uh, we met at the studio and before doing Bikram yoga, I mean, I was really into astrology and really into my occult studies, but I, I, I felt like I needed a change and it led me to this, this yoga studio. And I just, I guess I'm the type of person, an extreme person at times. So it's like, if I do something, I'm like all in. So I kind of like dropped my, my astrology practices and, and research and like just started doing the physical postures yoda the postures of the bikram yoga series and i did that for like a long time and which was great and i transformed my body and probably even my will you know got stronger however i like i was coming up because of these postures that you release you're releasing basically trauma and stuff well i know i was and coming going through breakthroughs but because i didn't i don't think i had that like that uh that back that that the support of the of the astrology in there and uh uh-huh. just like I think I, in a lot of ways, life became um, a little bit more. Uh, I won't say difficult, but a little bit more interesting, you know, because it was like I'm working, I'm working, opening up all these channels and working with the chakra physically, the chakras physically. However, like I had no like way to explain it in my conscious mind, you know. So I can see what you're saying, like how the practice of uh, astrology and, and yoga, be it breathing, you know, meditation, which, by the way, you had a great article on your 3.3 um, uh, BS Yoga uh, blog, that new one about the tribbles. I like that a lot, about mindful <laughs> meditation. That was great. Um, so, like, yoga along with astrology, I can see how that how that system could really benefit somebody that's, like, awakening to who they are, you know, what they're here to do. So, Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and when um, people first start doing yoga, they don't realize that what they're actually doing is they're releasing their karma. And when people start actually really getting into the um, yogic practices with meditation and the poses and things like that, you're bringing to surface things that you weren't aware of. And I don't think people are aware of that's what they're actually doing. And so when somebody starts engaging in, like, say, for instance, Kriya yoga, I tell them that you need to be ready for 
what's going to come up. There's, you're going to start, all of a sudden you'll start behaving weirdly or you'll start feeling a certain way and you're not going to know why. Well, it's because you, you sped up the clock. You're basically taking all that surfer, that buried stuff, bringing it to the surface and it takes discipline and things like that because um, originally yoga had a lot of like the yamas and nayamas. They had the spiritual disciplines built into it too. So you can learn how to deal with that too so when you're when something happens you're not caught off guard and then there's also too i have you know the yoga sutras which is another passion of mine the yoga sutras is basically a fully integrated um cognitive behavioral therapy program i mean the way that it was written is just brilliant and it, it goes through categorizing thoughts and detaching yourself from thoughts Okay, a little, a little fuzzy there. Um, but the Yoga Sutras themselves don't actually talk about any practices. The only practices that they talk about is how you pay attention to how you synthesize them and whatnot. <clears throat> So yeah, and if you, if I mean, if you really want to take the time, uh, I did start with I did book one and book two, and now I'm starting with book three, and I think there's probably about oh man, probably about 200 articles in that blog. Something I started a couple years ago, and it's kind of like on my bucket list that. And um, what I really want to do is like my ultimate goal is to integrate the yoga sutras and Vedic astrology into one holistic practice where somebody will come to me and I'll just be like, Oh, I see this problem in your chart. But instead of saying, well, maybe go to a puja or maybe buy a gemstone like they do in traditional Vedic astrology, I want to give them real thoughtful, practical advice on how they can, you know, help themselves. Yeah. It's kind of like you gave them a hyperlink. Like you, not that they have to. They definitely have to do the work, but it's great to have some guidance, you know, to with somebody who's done the research and been there, you know. So yeah, that's very beneficial. Yeah, yeah I've and I, I'll tell you. I mean, I've been through the gambit myself. I mean, I've uh, I originally got into some of the Kriya Yoga too to deal with my alcoholism, and you know, I kind of had a hard upbringing as well. I mean, my father died when I was young, and we had you know, issues with money, and then, you know, I didn't have the smoothest, you know, being being a teenager wasn't very easy for me, and so I started to use Kriya as, like, a coping mechanism, but as you see later here today, it turned into something way, way, way more than I ever expected it to be. I mean, I basically, like you, I was all in, and I went all the way down the rabbit hole, and mm-hmm. after a while, I went so far down, I'm like, okay, well, it's time to start climbing back up and see how I can start helping people. Mm. Right. And then there's also a book I've heard you mentioned before on your a live stream, Periscope live stream about the, it's the Kali Yoga. How do you say it? The Kali Yoga that you practice. It's, uh, oh, I'm sorry. You're kind of cutting out there. What did you say? Okay, there's a book that I heard you mention like last week live stream about a uh, it's basically a one-stop shop that you use sometimes in terms of that style of yoga that you, that you practice. Yeah, it's uh, it's called Kriya Yoga. Yeah, yeah Kriya Yoga. 
Yeah. There was a yeah. book that you were mentioning on your live stream. That, uh, yeah, I, I touched still- on that too. Yeah, I um kind of I like to weave that into my live stream so it's not just about astrology. So. If any, and I also I'm I'm an astronomy buff too, and so if anybody brings up any astronomy questions too, I don't mind talking about physics or gravity or any of that stuff. Um, or, I, it's, it's amazing how many people confuse astronomy and astrology. It it blows my mind, and so while well, I'm like, all right, well, all right, let's talk about astronomy, and so people will ask me my theories on physics and stuff, and you know I'm I'm pretty well read on that as well, but. Um, so yeah, it's being on Periscope has been very interesting, and um, the Facebook too has been interesting. But Facebook Live, I don't think it really has have as it doesn't have the power that Periscope does because usually it's not an open broadcast. You need to be it only goes to your friend circle. So right, I've been telling people in the chat in the Golden Meme chat we have group on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, you gotta check out Kevin's uh, <laughs> Kevin's live stream and they're like oh no i'm not a facebook friend <laughs> yet I'm like damn i should have told you all before about it but now like, i can just refer to the periscope uh another thing that i'm going to start doing is i'm going to start using my um my no my no big secrets yoga um facebook page for more live broadcasts and what i want to do is i want to separate facebook and periscope because Periscope, I'm sure you've used it, there's always a lot of information streaming um, back and forth. And so what I want to do is um, use Facebook separately and have uh, just do a broadcast on Facebook. And like on Periscope, what I do is I I direct people to my website to fill out a form with all their birth information so I know who's who and when, who's where. Whereas like on Facebook, all the – it's – all the comments are sequential. They're not scrolling by, so it's a little bit different. So that's something that I definitely want to do. And then I also, too, I want to leverage my YouTube channel a little bit, too, to start, you know, you know, I integrate the, the chart. So if somebody wants to actually see their chart being read by the software that I use on my desktop, they can. Yeah, that's the thing that, that must, it has to be, like, connotation between the planets because everything that happens to us happens to the planets and vice versa about like all these live streams like facebook live just came out like big time the last couple months uh youtube live came out a couple months you know the periscopes the uh streams, the twitches like all that stuff is like really like popping right now you know yeah it's, um, it's you know that how all, all everything moves so quickly and yeah. it's like it's kind of like a dual-edged sword in my opinion because we've never had a greater ability to uh, communicate with each other but on the flip side if you know if you notice people tend to fall into quicker group think too when it comes on the internet yeah. so really it's big time it, <laughs> isn't it it's crazy how that works because now it's like instead of having to face people with different opinions, we're kind of it's easier for us to put ourselves in a bubble and it's just like and so you you'll see um however on Periscope, um I get everything from like people with astronomy to some pretty bad trolls sometimes. And um but also too there's a lot of sincere people. So it's one of those things where going into Periscope definitely had some risks because I'm Directly, I'm exposing myself to direct skeptics, skeptics mm-hmm. and 
have complete access to me and I am more than happy to talk about astrology and explain it and talk about their charts. So that's one thing that I don't do that I see other astrologers do is I don't insulate myself from criticism because that criticism is something that I need in order to keep me honest, right? It kind of yeah. keeps me level. I mean, except there's, there's a difference between criticism and verbal abuse, which sometimes obviously the, the periscope streams are, can be. And so it's kind of like I've noticed is I attract more followers. I, you know, I attract people that are very interested, but then, you know, it kind of becomes a little bit of a troll house too, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, you, you handle it well. Like last week, um, it, it's like sharpening your sword. Like if you're preaching to the choir all the time, you're not challenged, you know, you're not sharpened. Uh, right. It's great to be supported, have a, a support, but then again, you want to be challenged. And like the way you deal with this troll, for example, was great. You're, you're like, you didn't even, you didn't even flinch you're like you addressed him because you're like okay i see you're trolling and um you know what i'm gonna be here for uh today and tomorrow helping people and whatnot and like you can you might be back or whatever but you know i'm gonna do my thing <laughs> I, just, I was really you know that was a lesson in itself you know for me you know these are a fart in the wind. That's all they are. All they do is they come and they just they want to get their temporary little attention and and they leave and the trolls it's it takes more energy to um consistently harass somebody than it does to ignore them and you know maybe they'll be there for a little while but also the other thing too with periscope is you could just block them so if somebody gets way too obnoxious and i'll just block them but the one thing that i have to be very careful of is trying to separate the difference between somebody who's trolling and somebody who's a genuine skeptic but wants to know more. So, right. you know, someone's kind of like agnostic toward astrology, and those people are very valuable because it gives me the opportunity to kind of explain how it works. But the, the cynics never really hang around anyway, and I'll tell that to them. I'm like, okay, well, you're going to be here and be cynical. Like yesterday, perfect example, somebody was like, well, how can you explain that there's only 12 different personality types? And I'm like, well, let me tell you. And he's like, oh, no, you can't tell me. But then I said, well, hey, wait a second. Now, in Vedic astrology, we have the nakshatra system, which can also be broken down into 108 separate ascendants, right? And I'm like, okay, so if we take 108 separate ascendants and then we also put in the moon and the sun, take 108 times 108 times 108. That's about roughly one in a million, I think. And, you know, I didn't hear from him again. But see, the thing is, people don't really stick around for that stuff because they don't want to hear it. What is that? Cognitive dissonance where they, they don't want to, they already have their mind made up. And so regardless yeah. of what you say, it's not, it's not going to make a difference. And it, it's a shame. I wish, um, but there's a lot of open-minded people out there too. So you kind of take the good with the bad, I guess. Yeah. And whoever's meant to be there will find it, you know? Right. Uh, I found yeah. it. And I needed it. I need it. Um, yeah, and just for the the callers that are on hold, um, thanks for hanging in there. Uh, maybe uh, towards the end, uh, so we're coming up on forty five minutes. Uh, maybe you can like read one of these people's couple of these callers' charts if you don't mind. Or, Ready to rock. I got the software okay, cool. up and um, you know. Okay. And just and just for before we get there. Um, so I'm taking like the biggest difference between the two systems of astrology is the placement of like how we view the stars, how this astrologer views the star position of the star, like the starting right. point. 
just yeah, that, that's the, the, the start of the zodiac and the incorporation of the outer planet and the house system. Okay, sorry, I moved the phone a little bit. Are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay. So I'm going to open up the lines. Um, guest three, guest three, you're on uh, Star Wisdom broadcast. Do you have any questions or comments? Are you just listening? Hello, guest three. Okie dokie. Uh, let me see uh, one more. Uh, King, that Moses. I hope I said your name right. What's going on? Star Wisdom Broadcast. You got any comments or questions? How you doing? Hey, that's that's me, Benita. I put my son's. Um... Hey, Benita. <laughs> Right. I need to use my other call. I know what I need to do now. Mm. But okay. yeah, you know, I don't, are you doing I don't have any questions. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Oh, uh, good. This is um a friend, uh, Kevin uh, Keegan, the astrologer. This is uh, my good friend, Bonita. Uh, Hi, Bonita. You were talking a little uh, bit earlier. Bonita, would you, would you mind uh, uh, giving uh, reading your chart a little bit? I like the idea of it, but I don't like the idea of it being on the broadcast because then that means that it's out there forever, you know. Well, I, I mean, I don't think he's going to put, put up your, your whole chart on like the line or anything. It's just like giving you – like when he did mine, for example, it was – I'll let him speak, but let's speak on it. But like I, my experience was I told him a little bit of the information I had, and then he just basically like – Generally, that like, broke it down real quick. You know, oh, it wasn't like, like that's. I mean, for me, it wasn't very intrusive, but I did learn some stuff that I didn't know before. So, so for instance, remember know. before Kevin. when we did the when when we went to that one um, we went to that one website, Carbo, and then we found out that my rising was uh, a Virgo. I'm sorry, one more time. Sorry, you're breaking up, but yeah. So, when we when we were you know, when we were in the chat room and we put, we went to that one website and we put our birthdays in there and then we found out like what our mm-hmm. sun, moon and rising was, like just let him know that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's basically it. Mm. Okay. Um, or another thing too, Bonita, if you're uh, concerned about it, I could go ahead and just end my YouTube broadcast then nobody will actually see your chart. Would that work for you? Yeah. Or you know, I could I could like text you my information. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Then. Are you Why in the we... chat? Is he, he's not in the chat with us, is he? Um, I don't think I am. Kevin, no, he's not it's on the on the line line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go ahead and um tell me your uh your ascendant, your sun sign, and your moon sign, and. I could tell you a little bit about your personality. Now, I'm going to have to probably adjust for the difference of the charts because I'm assuming you uh, know it in Western astrology. And there, if any of those points in the chart fall within, like, the last six degrees, it mm-hmm. may not be in the correct sign. But we can certainly give it a try. Okay. So um, in the Western astrology, my sun is Cancer. My rising is Libra, and my um, and, and and my moon is Aquarius. Okay, 
So what but that would I, mean when I did that other on the galactic website, it said the sun was Gemini, the rising was Virgo, and the moon was Capricorn. That's how. Is that in the Verticus? That was in ver- Vertic astrology. Yeah, the, ver- the a, Vertical. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think I don't know if Kevin uses that system, but that was oh, the one oh, I saw. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, but did you say you went to the Galactic Center? Was that yeah. it? Was that the one? Okay, well, we yeah, did, that's it. We We've done both. So the Western oh. one, on the Western one, like my birthday is seven seven. So on, um, so of course, you know, Western astrology, that's a Cancer all day every day. Right. So, but then my rising is Libra and my Moon is Aquarius. So let me explain how that would work. So that would tell me that you're, so if you're a Virgo, that means, and you're still a Virgo in both systems, that means that your ascendant's going to be in the latter part of Virgo. So that means that your ascendant's going to probably fall somewhere within the first six degrees of Virgo. Um, well, hold on. Hold on, Kevin. Why do you call me a Virgo? Like, how did I get to be the, it was so a. Virgo is the sign that was rising at the horizon at the time of your birth. Right. Oh, so every, it said it said that the rising sign in the Western astrology, the the rising sign is Libra. Libra. Okay. Okay. So yeah. then that means Vedic, you would be a Virgo then. Yeah. So it, it kicked everything okay. back a sign. So think about it. Everything's going counterclockwise the other way. Okay. Right. So I mean, like for instance, yeah, there, there is a difference between like so like Virgos. Like, so if I were reading your chart, I would say, all right, so your basic personality, Virgos have great attention to detail, they're intellectual, they have, um, like, a mind, they're very good at the medical field, like, um, Virgos are great for medical, depending on, like, the placement of Mercury, what's the ruler, which is also the ruler of the sign, right? But I can also say that, too, that would put, um, let's see, so you said the moon is in Capricorn in the fifth house, so that would, don't, like maybe uh, you have a very good relationship with your children because the moon represents emotions and then it's in the fifth house, but you're also very, you also like to direct your children well too. So your style of parenting is going to be something that's very direct and also very organized, right? And then looking at your son, your son being in the 10th house and the sign of Gemini, that gives, that's, that's also to another uh, Mercury sign. So you have your ascendant son both in Mercury signs, which pretty much uh Mercury represents communication, um, intellect, um, not necessarily the minor emotions because that's more the moon. So that would kind of tell me that you probably have some sort of career in writing or communications or something like that because that's the 10th house of the chart and the sun being in the sign of Gemini shows somebody that expresses themselves intellectually. And it's kind of like a dichotomy, you know, with the Gemini where they probably um, change their mind very quickly. So you have a lot of uh, a lot of mental energy associated with your chart. Uh, yeah, you know what? I, um, what I've had a hard time. One of the things that I found interesting that you said was, um, you said when people first start del- delving into this, they just keep digging and digging and digging, and then they find out it's like a black hole, and then they just keep learning. And so, for instance, um, one of the things that I was asking Carbo help with was the houses, and so. Like you know, he he tried sharing some things with me and had me reading some things, but that's that's part of what's um even more hard for me to understand because some people they'll 
they've already put up like different YouTube videos, like what my Mercury is and my Venus is in this, and and so all the planets. And then I understand that stuff. That that makes sense when I listen to those. But the house is like, you know, I don't understand that as much. For instance, well, like uh, like my Mercury is quick. in number nine, like the 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 ninth house. And that right. doesn't say anything to me, but I know that probably or my Venus is in the eighth house. You know what I'm saying? Those things. Mm-hmm. Don't say as much to me as they probably say to you, though. Well, here's what we found. Every chart has an overall theme, and everything is interrelated. And part of the job of the astrologer is to find the overall theme of the chart. And so where, for instance, and this is very fascinating, where you'll see an evidence of lack. So, for instance, like, for instance, like sibling birth order, like the third house, generally uh-huh. that um, we know, like in science, that determines a lot of how we grow up and how we feel about. Well, you'll actually see other planetary placements that might indicate something like that. So, for instance, if somebody has um, the moon and Saturn conjunct, that could indicate an overbearing mother, you know, like in the fourth house. And so, and so, and then you'll also see somewhere too, like maybe the sun is aspected by Saturn, and which leads to like low self-esteem. So it's kind of taking like a little, it's like a breadcrumb trail. You kind of follow where everything goes. And ultimately, you know, you figure out the theme of the chart. And the beauty of Vedic astrology is every sign is ruled by a planet. So what you do is look at the ruler of the planet in another house and the ruler of the planet of that house. And you kind of follow the leader until it very it ends. Every chart ends at a certain planet. There's there's some exceptions, but wherever the chart ends, that is kind of like where that's kind of like the the ruler of the chart. Kind of drives the underlying thematic quality of the chart, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and just to go a little bit into houses, um, all houses do is they just represent the area of life where the planet manifests its energy. Um, so really, if you just take the basic house signification, like, you know, first is personality, second is money, third is siblings, fourth is mother, you know, so on and so forth. Usually if you just start with one house signification and start with the major signification, and then you could always branch out from there as you find more meaning. And that's usually done with people. Just, just start, and then same with the planet, planetary significators too, like, Venus is love, sun is ego, moon is emotions, Mercury is thought or communication. Start with the, the very basic significator of the planet itself, and then from there you can kind of expand your astrological vocabulary as you learn, oh, okay, well, I see this conjunction and whatnot. And then you could add in the aspects. Right, but when I'm doing like these online readings, I rarely ever have to get into the aspects. I mean, what I do is like these um, online readings, like for the first few minutes, is very fundamental um, and really doesn't go very much beyond what I told you already. I mean, I could just start by um, looking at somebody's ascendant and then looking at where the ruler of that ascendant is, and you can tell so much about somebody just by like, like I had one of the astrologers tell me you could tell 80% of so something about somebody where the ruler of the ascendant is placed. And so you can, but then as you learn these techniques and you kind of, you go on and on and you learn that if you see a whole bunch of planets clustered together in a house, that just, boom, you go right to that area of the chart, right? And I've found that it's, it, that's kind of how it works. There's things, things start to stand out to you, right? Mm. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now let me ask you this one question. Since you said with the the Vedic, am I pronouncing it right? Vedic or the Vedic? Uh, Vedic. Okay. So with that, when you go back, you go back one one month or one placement. Do you do the same thing with the houses? So, for instance, if um, my Mercury was in nine with the regular, well, not regular, but with the Western zodiac, does that mean that my Mercury would be in eight? Um, no, actually, the the houses basically stay the same. Okay. Um, so, like, so for instance, in Virgo would just be the first house, and then your ninth house is going to be Taurus, right? Or your tenth okay. house is going to be Gemini. So, yeah, that that. that basically stays the same except the thing is um what would be different is if the uh western astrology is using the placidius house system which is different it starts the house system on your ascendant versus the vedic system starts the house system on the very at zero degrees of the sign that your ascendant is placed in so it it, there is a big difference there in that factor Hmm, okay thank you yeah no problem Nice. I like, I like that. That's a great question. Um, so we do know the foundation of like the houses and the uh, aspects of the planets, and you know, and the, that can that's a, that's a lot to build with to start your your salad with. You know, your, your right. grading and build the foundation. Yeah, it's always going to astrology. Always comes down to fundamentals. 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 Um, mm-hmm. sounds like Beetle Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Right. It's it's yeah. it, it, it's, I always stress the fundamentals because you get very far with the fundamentals. Um, right. But people tend to get kind of bogged down in minutia, and you really don't need to. Right. Um, okay, while I got you on the phone, what do you think about these compatibility charts? Well, I think um, I don't like Western compatibility charts. I think that, if, I mean, there is some accuracy. Like, for instance, if, like, for instance, People will ask me, all right, well, what's what am I going to be most compatible with? Well, if you take one person's chart and you look at another person's chart, you're always looking for trines of the same planet for ease, right? So if, like, your Mars is trying another person's Mars, that means that they're in the same quality of sign. So, for instance, like, I, okay, well, let's take your Western sign. So you're, you're a Cancer sun. Well, then somebody with a trine would either be a Scorpio or a Pisces, right? Because they have the same, that's the water element. But the thing is, if you're only reading the sun sign, you're getting a very, very, very narrow uh, picture of compatibility. You need to look at, really, you need to look at the moon, the ascendant. Those are, you have to put those in play. But then, like, Venus is very critical, and so is Mars. So, because those represent the certain areas of a relationship and how you're going to relate to that specific area. So, for mm-hmm. an example, if you and your partner have the moon squared each other, that's going to lead to the most conflict because you have two completely different mindsets and one of the challenges in that relationship is going to be how how are you going to work out that particular challenge in your relationship? Whereas mm. you may have Mars trying each other and that usually leads to, you know, sexual compatibility. Mm. So there's, yeah. there's a lot of different dimensions of relationships. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have even birth chart compatibilities, like the whole, they'll look at the whole chart of one person and the whole chart of some another person. So it will it will look at the, like you suggested, the moon, the Venus, and that makes okay. really good 
astral sense. And I think I was talking with somebody who was saying, we um like we need to start becoming more compatible with folk or, you know, instead of spending time building and growing and getting to know people and having these strong relationships with folks who are not compatible with us cosmically, um, that we should start having these, um, you know, I've, I've heard that that's, that's, that's a theory out there or a, a, a concept that people have been mm-hmm. talking about that I've heard that we, we should start trying to figure out whether or not we are even compatible I don't necessarily agree with that. I I think that some, and like I was talking about earlier, I think the people that come into your life that are challenging are the people that you need to work with the most because you grow the most. Yeah. The yeah. And it's, you know, if we keep trying to, you know, get over-obsessive, well, am I compatible with this person, you're really not going to get to know, like, if you're conflicted with somebody, if you develop empathy, you're going to understand why are you conflicted with that person? What is it about this person that makes me see something in myself that I may not like? And right. that, that's more personal opinion. I mean, you can use astrology for all that, that kind of stuff if you really want to. But to me, I think it's just kind of, you know, it's sometimes it can be hard to maintain personal relationships and they, they take a lot of work and it seems like people don't, this is just my opinion. People don't want to put the effort into them as much as they used to. I think that's a very good response. I really appreciate hearing yeah. you say that. Absolutely. It's like, um, because the whole point is to grow, to build, to right. grow, you know, so there's, if, if there's a, if you're looking at a compatibility chart and you don't see any challenging aspects whatsoever, then it could potentially be boring or, or yeah, well, what you're going to do is you're just going to get bored and walk away. I mean, because mm-hmm. face it, as people, we we want that we want that stimulation, you know. I mean, you know, we see these women that go for the proverbial bad boys. It's because they're exotic until they get bored and they move on, right? Well, at and, least those intellectual people or those people with their Venus, like in Gemini or something like that, is not necessarily yeah. everybody on Earth. There's some people who are very much, you know, they they just want that regular old routine and that's what they love. So yeah. And that's fine, you know. To me, it's to each their own. There is no perfect, there's no perfect person. We all express ourselves in different ways, and it's just, uh, you know, it's just how we are as people. And it's it's really interesting, you know, studying, you know, sociology and psychology and how we all interrelate to each other. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I see it. I, <laughs> thanks, Benita. Like, I, I see that in my own like relationship with my wife. It's uh, we're, we're very different in the sense, for example, like how she's a, <laughs> she's a high energy type of person, like, like always on the go, you know, got to do this kind of, and I, and I, part of me, I respect that too. And I learned from that, but like part of me is like when work is over per se, it's time to relax. Like, and I'm really good at relaxing. And, uh, right. and, and sometimes those things really clash. And if I'm think I'm thinking like if I was with somebody that was just like me in that terms, like I would probably it would be fine to be comfortable and stuff, but like I'm learning how to you know, accept that as an attribute. You know, even though that's not natural to me to always wanna do something, like gotta do this, gotta do that. Like uh I'm learning that like there is benefit to that because uh because well, like yeah. that's something that's lacking in my life. But if I was just comfortable and with a partner, like, in you know, wanting the same exact thing, I wouldn't learn. Not that it's easy, 
it's very difficult sometimes, but like we're patient with each other. That's the commonality. Even though we're different, we want to grow, you know? So, yeah. Right. Are you, uh, okay. you going to say something, Kevin? Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, for in, in my instance, um, my, my wife and I, we have opposite ascendants. So I'm an Aries and she's a Libra. And so our personalities are almost exactly opposite. But the thing is, you know, over time I've noticed that we kind of grown almost to be a lot alike. And okay. that's one of the that, that's one of the beautiful beautiful things about it is like I was a completely different person when I got married and now I have grown so much as an individual, you know, thanks to my wife that I, you know, I'm, I'm a completely better person for it. I mean, you know, I was having drinking problems when I met my wife and then, you know, she, she doesn't drink at all. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, over time, I mean, I, you know, she inspired me to get sober and I got sober and, you know, life, life just, and, you know, and there's always new things. There's always new things that you're finding out about people as you grow in your age. So that's just my opinion. No, and that's true. I mean, we got a similar thing, a similar type of story, you know, different substances, but it's a very similar story in that respect. Um, <laughs> would, you, would, you, would you mind uh, reading my chart if you have a – I know I don't want to keep you here all, all night and stuff, but uh, – All right, rattle off your digits, as we say. Okay, uh, 11-10-1977. Okay. Oh, you're almost you're a little bit older than me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I was born on February 16th, 78. Uh, okay. What, uh, what time were you born at? Uh, allegedly 4.30 p.m. Okay. So just, just so you oh, know... um. Birth time is important in Vedic astrology because it uh, sets where the ascendant is. So, um, and what city were you born in? Uh, San Jose, California. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Someone was asking me. They're like, "Yeah, I noticed on the Vedic uh, chart they they have seconds, even." Yep. You know, I know that can help if you have twins or whatnot, you know, or triplets. But uh, yes. um, another another beauty. So if anybody wants to go to YouTube, you can uh, look at the Gabriel's chart and see all the nitty gritty about him. But <laughs> anyway, um, if you look at the chart, there's actually Vedic astrology takes the birth chart and it breaks it down into 20 separate different charts that you can read as individual charts as well. And that's another huge power of the system. And so how I separate twins is there's a chart that changes like every minute and 30 seconds. It's called the D60 chart. And if twins were born about a minute apart, that's how we can kind of tell and see what the difference is. But in your case, so if, all right, if I'm reading your chart, so if you look at it here, um, you're Aries ascendant, um, and so am I. So I can uh, tell you, you know, Aries are, you know, they're outgoing. They're, um, let's see, you know, they kind of get, get into things. They kind of, kind of dive into things, right? And they, um, they you know they tend to get injured, but they're a little athletic, and it's kind of like like impulsivity is like the impulsivity and leadership, and um, all that stuff. It's like a Mars sign, right? It's all all associated with the sign of Aries. And so, in your chart, what that the ascendant's going to do is it's going to set context for whatever you see in life is going to be seen through that first sign. So, 
Um, so the first sign sets always sets the context to the chart, right? So then going right. around your chart, then it, your third house is um, you have Jupiter in the sign of uh, Gemini. And so like I was saying, Gemini is uh, re relates to siblings, and I've seen it where Jupiter in that house could either say that you're maybe a twin or a single born, something like that. That would be my guess. Um, and that usually with Jupiter there, your relationship with your siblings is pretty good, right? Because you don't have any planets aspecting that. Actually, your chart's kind of close to mine, so it should be a piece of cake. All right. Mars in the fourth fourth house of Cancer. Um, so that's um, basically that is where your ascendant lord is placed. And so what that means is because Mars is in the fourth house, generally that means there's somebody that you're like very reserved because Mars doesn't express its energy the best in Cancer in the fourth house. And so generally you tend to hold back even though when you really want to take initiative, right? And usually right. it could also mean, like, repressed anger. So I'm thinking what happened to you is when you started doing yoga, you had all this repressed anger just came out of nowhere, and you were probably walking around pissed off, and you didn't even know why. And yeah. usually it, it has to do with the yoga brain of the repressed anger, right? Um, Saturn in the fifth house generally delays children until after the age of 36. So I, I don't know if you have any kids now or not, um, but that's generally the – signification of Saturn in the fifth house. It also, Saturn in the fifth house too, because I have this placement, tends to make a person, um, what happens is when they, when they learn, they kind of, it takes them a little while to absorb the information, but when they actually get the information in, they have this like genius because they can take whatever information they have and assemble it and construct it and take it and make it into new things. Like, how do I put it? It's like new like they really can reorganize the information cognitively. And so, you know, people, <laughs> people like, like people mistake people with Saturn in the fifth house is like, oh, well, they're, they're not listening or they're slow or something. And it's like, no, it's just that Saturn makes them assimilate the information, but when they assimilate it, it stays, you know, so it tends to lead to a good memory too. Uh, all right. South node in the sixth house, um, Let's see, that generally can lead to things like with nervous, like nervous system stuff. Um, like for me, you know, with that placement, I get anxious. Like I have anxiety. And then on the flip side, you can see the south node of the moon in um, the sign of uh, Pisces. And that can tend to lead to insomnia. Uh, however, check this out, though. The, with K2, in, uh, that's the south node of the moon in the 12th house of the sign of Pisces. That's actually a moksha placement, which means that usually after the age of 42, people tend to start um, going toward enlightenment. There's, there's going to be some sort of like, like right now you're probably digging and digging and digging and trying to find answers, but you really can't get right. to the bottom of them. But right. with K2, after the age of 42, all of a sudden it'll just be like, boom, you'll get it. And I'm kind of waiting for that to happen to myself because I have that same planetary placement. But um, the, the nodes of the moon, every planet has an age associated with it. And what it does is it kind of shows your development. So like Saturn in the fifth house shows somebody that usually gets education later until after the age of 36, and that's kind of when they tend to attain more education. And the nodes of the moon let up after the age of 42. All right? So then a very big part of your life is, 
actually your wife. You're, you're, you probably have a really wonderful wife, but you have the moon, sun, and Venus all in the seventh house in the sign of Libra. And so that really indicates partnership. And also, too, because you have the moon and the sun there, the moon and the sun can also be used as ascendants in themselves. So that means that you actually express your emotions and your ego and your love like a Libra. So, but your personality is also Aries. So what happens is you tend to find that kind of expression through partnership, right? But also, too, the, right. a large your personality and mindset, too, lie in that seventh house. So and that usually indicates, like, um, Venus indicates, like, money coming in through the spouse. And Venus is well-placed in the sign of uh, Libra, but the sun is um, actually debilitated in the sign of Libra. But what that means is usually, and it's aspected by Saturn, usually that means that there was probably some sort of repression by the father or, like, some sort of self-esteem issue growing up. And also, too, Saturn's aspecting the moon. So um, let's see, in the fifth house, that could be something from either the father or groups or maybe some sort of like group like group repression. Um, I don't want to say bullying because that might be a little bit um, out there, but that's kind of usually what Saturn's aspect means. And finally, you have Mercury in the eighth house in the sign of Scorpio, which means lots and lots and lots of digging intellectually into occult subjects. Um, like the eighth house in Scorpio specifically are the sign of the occult. Um, Pisces is more the sign of like deep, thought and emotional attachment and things like that. And so looking at this, and especially with the Saturn and Mars transit going on right now, you're really digging into the occult. Um, and that's really ever since, so how we do transits in um, Vedic astrology is when the uh, planet actually enters the sign is the beginning of the transit. So I think Saturn went into sidereal Scorpio sometime last year and that's kind of when you started really digging into these really deep subjects, right? Right. And so, yeah. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's like a very basic reading. So what I did there is I actually used, I just used the planets in the houses, and um, I didn't even use the aspects, right? So if we go into the aspects, you know, like Jupiter is aspecting your fifth house, which, you know, that's a good aspect, for, and it's also being aspected by Saturn, so part of chart interpretation is working out how those energies kind of go back and forth. So, Thank you. I, Got I, that, was, that was amazing. I, I think it's very interesting how, like, on my Western chart, the sign of Aries doesn't even, I don't think it's even in there, really, if I recall. But hey, you're, you're uh, it's funny. Yeah. So it's interesting how that's the rising uh, ascendant sign in this one. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, like like you said about my wife, how she plays a big role in this, like how she has, I think in her Western, she has like Aries, rising sun, and also uh, Mercury, something like that. So, yeah. Funny well, you, um, that would probably make her a Pisces, but um, usually same sign ascendants are uh, pretty compatible, especially like with Aries, because um, the only thing is though, like, say, for instance, if you have two Aryans and they, like, decide to go make an impulse buy, they're both going to do it at the same time. So sometimes that yeah. all energy doesn't <laughs> work out all the time. But, yeah. It's strong. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Is, is, is there something going on right now uh, in terms of, like, uh, cancer tr transit or something? Because I know in the, 
this last week I've been like really nostalgic listening to like a lot of music that was uh, uh, that I grew up with that like necessarily my 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 mom used to listen to, and, and some of the music that like it was before I was even born, but and I, like I listen to these songs and it's like I know them, like it's weird. It, and I get like these emotional, it's almost like a, these songs are putting me through a time warp. Like someone said recently, like how music is basically like a time machine. It can take you back to these places. And when, when I'm listening to these old songs that I grew up listening to, I didn't necessarily choose them, but now for whatever reason, I'm rediscovering them again. And they're like putting me through this like emotional gauntlet. <laughs> yeah, so... That is probably a result of uh, the transit of Jupiter. Um, uh, that's actually going through the fifth house. And the fifth house uh, kind of is represented a little bit by music. Um, but uh, as far as, like, um, looking back, I actually see that Saturn is going in your eighth house. And the eighth house is about, uh, my wife just finished dinner. <laughs> so... Yeah, so anyway, maybe it's probably the, uh, let's see, where's your Venus here? So, yeah, your Venus is on seven degrees Libra. Um, you know what, maybe uh, the past year, you know what, actually I'm, I'm hard, having a hard time seeing that, so I probably have to do a more digging into that. Okay, no no rush. We want uh, always, you're always welcome to come back onto the broadcast if you like and uh i encourage everyone to check out kevin's work and his services um before before we let you go kevin can i just get this one call real quick you mind real quick real quick thanks uh california you're on a star wisdom broadcast what's going on okay going once california i see you okay next time uh yeah kevin um we want to thank you and also thank your wife for being patient <laughs> right now. Um, and you, if you want to put your, out your information real quick so people can get a, check out your live stream, which I highly encourage and all that good stuff before you go. Yeah. Um, basically, everything is uh, – my website is no, no-bsyoga.com. Um, and then that's also too, uh, you can find me on Periscope. It's, uh, Kevin Austin Keegan at no BS yoga. Um, Facebook is also the same. Uh, yeah, actually Facebook is no big secrets yoga. So go there, like my site, share all my stuff and whatnot. I always appreciate that. Um, then the YouTube channel is no BS yoga as well. So that's all kind of no BS yoga centric. <laughs> okay cool so yeah all the information's out there and um i want to thank you again uh and you truly uh was true to the name of this broadcast wisdom star wisdom i appreciate that well, thank you very uh, much I, i'm really happy that you invited me on it's actually been an honor so thank you very much uh honor is ours all, all ours and, and uh, we appreciate you kevin and uh keep up the good work Okay, well, Have thank a you good very night. much. You're welcome. Have a good evening. Take care. Yeah, you too, sir. Goodbye. Bye. All right. So that was fun. Uh, very informative. I'm going to go back and look at my chart right now. Um, 
it's interesting how this this plot this this process of we got into it in the first 15 minutes talking about how the art of sharing this information like sharing our awakenings our personal awakenings and seeing that how that relates to the um, collective uh through using media, you know, blog talk, talk shoe, YouTube, streaming, videos, like all that, Vimeo, like how that in itself is a form of alchemy and work and put it in that work. And I see how, uh, <laughs> how uh, I guess Kevin was a really big, uh, <laughs> a big influence on this broadcast today. He was, not I guess he was, because as soon as he left, half the callers dropped off the line. So I guess that's a hint. Uh, with that said, thanks for tuning in. Star Wisdom Broadcast. Uh, don't waste your time. Go explore. Peace. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.